Next Stop Mississippi, I'm Sherita Brent with Sam Wells. Mayor Morgan Miller is away today. Today, the director of the Mississippi Craftsmen's Guild is here to tell us about their summer showcase, the Sunflower River Blues and Gospel Festival, and the Dulcimer Festival at J.P. Coleman State Park kick off this weekend. We'll learn about both of those. Plus, we'll hear from Harrison Scott Key, whose book, The World's Largest Man, will be featured at next week's Mississippi Book Festival. As always, you can give us a call and tell us about any local events going on in your area. The number is 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Follow the conversation on Twitter by searching the hashtag NextStopMS. It's Next Stop Mississippi, and it's coming up after the news on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. And welcome back to Next Stop Mississippi on MPB Think Radio. I'm Sherita Brent in studio with Sam Wells, who's going to be my co-host today. Mary Margaret Miller is away today. People will be yelling for Mary Margaret to return, Sherita. Oh, stop it, Sam. (laughs) Stop it. (laughs) We also have in studio with us Nancy Perkins, who's going to tell us a little bit about the Craftsman's Guild Summer Showcase that's coming up this weekend, this Saturday and Sunday. So we'll learn about that. You can give us a call at any time this morning if you want to let us know about any local events going on in your area. The number is 877-MPB-RAIN. That's 877-672-7464. If there's anything going on in your area you'd like to let fellow Mississippians know about, give us a call. Follow the conversation on Twitter. Search the hashtag NextStopMS. You can join us that way as well. Lots of things to talk about today. We're going to talk about the Sunflower River Blues and Gospel Festival in Clarksdale. Also the Dulcimer Festival, which is a really cool event that's happening. And we'll hear um, an interview with Harrison Scott Key and Mary Margaret Miller. So, Sam, a little piece of good news. Um, uh, the chef Alex Eaton was crowned king at the Great American Seafood Cook-Off, which is a, a really big deal. Oh, yeah. The uh, the manship is awesome. It's yes, one of the great. We, we've had Stephen on the show. I'll uh, I, we we'll turn Nancy's microphone on so she can come. Uh, I'm sure she feels the same way. This place is great. It's uh, it's right in the middle of of uh, the Belhaven area in Jackson, and the food is fantastic. And, yes, uh, I man, do agree. I do agree. What an awesome award for this guy to win. I mean, he's basically the best seafood uh, chef in the Southeast, which is pretty much the best in the world, I would think. Yeah, <laughs> I, I have to budget and and, and try not to over frequent manship because they do breakfast now. <laughs> so I find myself going there on the weekends. I'm like, ah, you know, instead of cooking, I'll go to manship. They have this hash brown casserole that is absolutely awesome. They have these duck wings that are good, this tuna dip that's awesome. Yeah, the tuna so dip is good. I'm not surprised. Um, but he, I, I was reading a quote of his. He said it came down to the wire. He almost didn't finish, but in the end managed to pull it all together and win it with a trio of shrimp dishes that each highlighted a different type of shrimp found in the Gulf. So he said he did a French-style royal red shrimp dish, a New Orleans-style barbecue Gulf white shrimp dish, and a Spanish Serrano wrap with Gulf white shrimp and an artichoke topping. So 
I mean, yeah. he really. I'm so hungry. He really that, sounds good. <laughs> that sounds really good. So uh, that that's a really awesome thing. So we'll, well, hopefully we'll be able to get him back on soon and talk about this victory. And I see that he'll go on to compete in the World Seafood Championship this November in Orange Beach, Alabama. So the, the competition does get even tougher, if you can believe that. Yeah, and, and the, the World Championship being in Orange Beach, which is like three hours from uh, uh, the central Mississippi area and like yeah. 20 minutes from uh, from the coast. So like all this great cooking and competition things like that going right going along going on around right where we live so it's it's awesome yeah um, i got a chance to host the storytellers ball yesterday uh downtown jackson they did a tribute to prince so there were a few bands performing mike (laughs) robb and the 601 band vast eye jackson performed and he is just amazing vast eye jackson's energy is 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 crazy he had on this red suit and he was singing for women. He pulled me on stage to sing to me. I was completely uh, ashamed and, and embarrassed. Uh, he played the guitar with his mouth, so that drove the women crazy. It was just a really good time last night. Uh, the, the art museum was very beautifully decorated, and it was sponsored by the Greater uh, Jackson Arts Council. And, you know, they cater to artists, so there was artwork all throughout the gallery of uh, individual uh, independent artists as well. So it was a fundraiser, and it's going to go toward... Uh, aiding those artists, you know, and the things that they try to do. So, which is very great because it is art and arts and literature month. So yeah. I had a great time last night. The storytellers bought me. We, we partied to like 11. <laughs> oh, so man. I'm, I'm struggling to keep 11. my eyes open. <laughs> I went from hosting to playing the drums and I did some glamorous life. I played the timbali. So it was a great time last I night. I remember before I uh, got married, I could party until like two. Uh, and then now I'm like, you have Ooh, a curfew. It's, t- it's 10. Yeah. We need to turn the lights down here. It's 10 o'clock. It's too late. Well, as I mentioned, we have Nancy Perkins in studio with us, who's going to be talking with us about the Craftsman's Guild Summer Showcase. Nancy, good morning. Thank you so much for being with us. Well, thank you for having me. I mean, like you said, uh, the, the event last night was to help artists and and allow them to make a living at their craft, and that's what we do at the Craftsman's Guild. So tell us a little bit more about the Craftsman's Guild of Mississippi uh, in general and what is its mission. We were formed in 1973, so we're 42 years, 43 years old wow. uh, this year, and it was actually an initiative by then-Governor Waller who recognized that craft was something that Mississippi excelled in, and it could be something that would be valuable for tourism, for economics, And uh, the only way that these individual craftsmen were really going to be able to uh, get established was to work together. So Mm -hmm. they brought them all together. The first executive director, Dan Overly, really is responsible for getting the guild off the ground. He was the executive director for 20 years. And uh, once it got up and going, they started the Chimneyville Festival in 1976. We're going to celebrate our 40th annual this year. And that's a half-million-dollar show. Wow. So it's uh, something that's really important to our craftsmen. And it also has a, a well over a million-dollar impact on the local metro economy. So it's wow. important from that standpoint. We operate the Mississippi Craft Center in Ridgeland as our headquarters, as our craft education center where we teach these crafts to other people and try to nurture uh, potential craftsmen. 
We are a visitor center for people who are particularly people traveling the Natchez Trace because we're right on the trace. And we Mm -hmm. now have just uh, finished building a boardwalk to give us direct access so people can park on the parkway and get on this beautiful raised boardwalk that winds through the woods right past the sunken trace Mm -hmm. and come on in and experience the craft center. That's awesome. I was walking along the Natchez Trace once and I didn't realize I was behind the craft center. Actually, that's not the back of the building that's the front of the building really yeah when you pull in the parking lots uh that's the back of the building we were always planned to front the trace and now they're clearing a lot of the uh, trees anything that's non-native like privet can go Mm -hmm. and so it's it's getting uh, easier and easier to see the building and it's it's just a beautiful walk through the woods so a lot of a lot of good things are happening right now So talk to me about who's in the guild. Uh, How do folks get in? What are the requirements and and what kinds of crafts are they practicing? Well, we like to say that craft is 3D art. Uh, It's not paintings, although we do have some surface design uh, artists who paint on on not canvas but other things. But uh, we, we... represent people who have mastered a certain medium. Like when they, they apply twice a year, and it's, it's a, re- a review process with a group of standards committee members who review their work and their applications, and you have to be asked to join. Okay. And uh, you, you apply in a specific medium and category. Medium is what you, the material that you use, category is what you do with it. And you you do that for a specific medium, and you have to show a mastery of it. We are we are basically guaranteeing quality okay. and high standards. And so everybody doesn't get in there. A lot of people don't get in their first first time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we do try to nurture people and help them attain the level that would allow them to be a craftsman. And, and I want to back up a little bit as you were talking about the boardwalk and connecting the trace to the um, arts, to the, to the craft center. This facility is huge. Um, yeah, it's a 20,000 square foot building. I've been there for multiple reasons for yeah, like a wedding a, reception. Yeah, yeah we, had we had a meet and greet there. Meet right. and greet. It's I've, a beautiful facility. It looks like a James Bond villain lair or something <laughs> like that. It's got winding glass staircases and stuff like that. Yes. It's fantastic. Yeah. So what are some of the other uses of the craft center? Well, like like we're doing this weekend, we're having the Guild Summer Showcase. We had the Spring Showcase uh, back in uh, first of May, and it, it just seems only natural that when you have a facility like this, and we now have two additional parking lots that are being finished right as we speak, if mm-hmm. it would stop raining and let them finish the asphalt, but uh, we have a great facility for having a, a community events like this, and so it's going to be an indoor and outdoor show. Okay. And uh, so that's that's another thing. We also we partner with a lot of different groups to do arts related type projects out there. We're a a rental venue mm-hmm. uh, for weddings and wedding receptions, and that's that's an important way for us to uh, a, a important uh, revenue for us. So some of the uh, exhibitors uh, on this particular showcase are going to be exhibiting uh, wearable art, jewelry, sculpture, um, wood, glass. Yeah, talk about some of the things that folks will see at this showcase. Well, uh, and if you would like to see what is being brought to the show, you can go to, we have a a main Facebook page, which is 
Craftsman's Guild of MS. And then we have Chimneyville Crafts Festival, which is a Facebook page that we started for the Chimneyville Festival, but it was so popular, it's now Mm year-round. And any shows that we're working on, you can go and see the artists will show you samples of of the work that they're going to be bringing. A lot of times you can watch the process. They will show you starting from design and the initial uh, building of the item and through the finishing touches. So it's a real interesting uh, Facebook kind of behind the artist studio yeah i'm looking uh, right now this jewelry is really impressive yeah they're they're the the craftsmen are just magnificent we have 370 craftsmen from 16 states and they really are some of the finest in the southeast if not the country well let's start with saturday of the showcase and talk about some of the things that that's going to be going on tailgating uh, your football the art of tailgating yeah (laughs) Uh, so who's going to be tailgating well, we have nine universities participating, and this is our first year. We invited about probably 15, uh, and uh, it is a little bit of a tough time of the year, but we were able to get nine of, of the schools. We've got Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Southern, Tulane, LSU, Delta State, Bell Haven, and Jackson, Jackson State in the W. Let's see, I'm a Jackson State graduate, and I know that tailgating is a big deal. I mean, many times I will go to the tailgating area and not even make it into the game. <laughs> right. Well, like I said, it has been elevated to an art form these days. And, yes. And they're coming out. They're pitching their tents. They're inviting their alums to come out and vote for them because they're competing for a $1,000 scholarship. Oh, my. Okay. So if anybody out there is an alum for any of these schools, you need to come to the Craft Center. Uh, 10 to 5 on Saturday, and vote for your team. Yeah, so, your your marketing work, Nancy, because I'm a member of the Ole Miss Alumni Association. I got an email this morning about this. <laughs> All right. I'm glad so, to hear there it. There you well, go. I got to tell you, the W is the one who really put the gauntlet down in the beginning. They they first did a mass email, then they sent printed invitations. Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> so, uh, and uh, Ole Miss, though, is partnering with Ole Miss Tailgating, mm-hmm. so there will be food that they'll be giving out, and some others are grilling. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, I see a menu here uh, that, that, that could be selected from tamales, red beans, and rice, gumbo. Now that, it, we were making our own little Mississippi cafe upstairs at Harborview on Saturday, oh. and uh, we've got a, a caterer who's going to be selling food, and, and we picked items that we thought were Mississippi favorites, like tamales, but also red beans and rice, and mm-hmm. uh, some, some of the best chicken salad you've ever had. I'm That's a- Saturday. I'm a gumbo addict. I, I think last oh, yeah, week gumbo too. I had gumbo at least four times last week. Oh, my gosh. I kid you not. I got some from Saltine. <laughs> I got some from Char. I was on the coast. I got some from down there. So it's like when I see it on the menu, I can't Okay, resist. so when you come tomorrow to, to <laughs> vote for JSU, then you can go upstairs and you can get some gumbo there. Yes, I will. Uh, and what's going to be going on Sunday? Then Sunday, we're having a brunch. And uh, in the Harborview Room, again, a really good menu. I think you probably can see it there. Um, mm-hmm. There's uh, a lot, a lot of good stuff. This is uncorked catering. They do the catering for the farmer's market. They do the food at the farmer's market. Excellent stuff. And it's $20 per person. That's inclusive. And it includes a Bloody Mary, uh, mimosa, brownies, as well as the the brunch menu. And uh, that is, uh, you can buy those online. Okay. uh, Or call call us at 856-7546 to purchase those tickets. There's an 11 o'clock seating and a 1230. 
Excellent. Uh, you had me at Bloody Mary, Nancy. <laughs> yes, and most good ones. <laughs> and there's also going to be a lot of demonstrations going on uh, really all weekend, but, but even more so on Sunday. We'll have the blacksmith shop open. Lyle Wynn is one of the best blacksmiths in the country, and he will be out demonstrating Saturday and Sunday. Paul Meek, who is uh, in the hunting world, known for being one of the best who makes turkey and duck calls mm. and he's going to be in the wood studio we're going to call the wood studio a man cave this weekend okay <laughs> and he's going to be in there uh, showing how he st- starts from a block of wood and what he goes through to make those duck calls and then on sunday we've got sam clark in the pottery studio and he's going to be doing clay sculpture Excellent. So uh, logistically, folks can just park. There are going to be some shuttles and everything available. Yeah. Uh, this The event is free. Okay. And uh, we have our parking lot. Then we have a, a new one just adjacent on Rice Road and a new one, actually two two new ones on, on Rice Road. And we will also have additional parking across the street. And we uh, thanks to Mercedes, who's our sponsor for the tailgating, we've got a shuttle, a free shuttle that we'll be picking people up. Sounds good. Well, Once again, rain or shine. <laughs> okay. All right. Rain or shine event. Once again, where can people go if they want to find more information, website or number? Website, org. You can also go to our Facebook page. It's, it's uh, uh, Craftsman's Guild of MS. And then our other Facebook page, Chimneyville Crafts Festival. That's or give right. us a call, 856-7546. All right. And on that Chimneyville Crafts Festival, you can see uh, some of the some of the artwork uh, on the page. And it looks really good. If you're a jewelry lover, ladies, check it out. Fellas, you as well. All right. So, uh, Nancy, thank you so much for thank coming you. in. Appreciate you very much. Uh, still a lot to get to. We're going to learn about the Sunflower River Blues and Gospel Festival that's kicking off this weekend and the Dulcimer Festival. And Mary Margaret Miller spoke with author Harrison Scott Key. If you want to join us this morning, let us know about any local events going on in your area. Call us, 877-MPB-RING. We'll be back in just a moment. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back to Next Stop Mississippi. I'm Mary Margaret Miller. This week on the show, we're featuring writers who are going to be joining us for the Mississippi Book Festival. That's August 20th, just coming up around the corner. Today on the line, I've got Harrison Scott Key. Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much. So happy to be here. Harrison, we're really excited about the Mississippi Book Festival, excited to bring a lot of our Mississippi writers back home. You being part of that crew, I believe you're originally from the state. Yes, ma'am, I am. You often talk in in your interviews and some of your radio interviews I've I've read um, that you, you know, are from rural Mississippi. Now, that really means something to our listeners. Tell us a little bit about where you're from. What's funny is to most people, there's no difference between saying you're from Mississippi and you're from rural Mississippi. Uh, It's the same thing to most people. But I know that 
people from the rural South, especially, you know, in my home state, appreciate the distinction there. So what I tell people is um, I'm, I'm an anomaly in that I was, I was born in Memphis, and I'm the only member of my family who was born in a large city or in any city, really. Um, and everybody else was born in – my brother was born in Clarksdale. My father was born in Coldwater. My mom was born in Rolling Fork. So that sort of messed me up from the beginning because because I was born in a city and I lived the first, I don't know, uh, seven or eight years of my life in Memphis, Mississippi was always this place we would go on the weekends. We would go hunting there. We would go see family there. But I was always a city boy. And so when we moved to Mississippi when I was, I guess I was eight or nine, it was in 1984, that's really where the book starts. It's where it takes off because I, I always felt a little – uh, like a fish out of water in Mississippi, even though all of my people were from there, even though I grew up there. And really the first half of the book is about sort of what it was like to become a part of that community or all the different communities that I, that I lived in. But I tell people, people, you know, I was at the Neshoba County Fair a few weeks ago. And of course, everybody wants to know where you're from because they want to know if they know your, you know, your mother or your father or whatever. So what I tell people is I grew up, in Rankin County, close to Puckett, about halfway between Brandon and Puckett in the middle of nowhere. When I say middle of nowhere, you know, there was nothing. I mean, there were cows and there were trees, but there were no towns or anything. Uh, And, of course, most of your listeners will know where I'm talking about and what I'm talking about. My mother was from Greenwood and grew up there. Uh, My father was from Coldwater and grew up there. And so a lot of my hunting stories take place in North Mississippi and also different parts of central Mississippi. But then I went to college at Bellhaven in Jackson, and then I went to Ole Miss for part of graduate school. And so I re- and my wife, she's from Yazoo City, so I feel like I've got the whole state geography and geology covered. And I, and I have met cousins in almost every city I've been in for readings and things, uh, and I love coming back to Mississippi because I meet new cousins every time I come. We've got Harrison Scott Key with us today. He's telling us a little bit about his background, his roots in Mississippi, and really the bones for his recent book, The World's Largest Man. Harrison, this is a a memoir, but it's not kind of your typical memoir that you might have read in grade school. Uh, No, I don't. I think I think you would get fired if you gave this to children in school. I tried to write this as a novel. I tried to write it as short stories. I even wrote a few plays that were loosely based on these stories, and I could never figure out how to tell them. Um, and I, I did stand-up comedy for just a little while. I did a little bit in Oxford and then in different parts of the Midwest where I was in graduate school. And the funniest stuff were always the stories about my father or any stories that were – because, you know, when you're from not just Mississippi, but when you're from, like, really – rural Mississippi, where people, you know, where you can still see like mules and pastures and you can drive by a trailer and see a goat or a chicken on the roof. Like that's real. Like most people don't realize that that world still exists. And so anytime I would talk about this, I realized that everywhere I went, people just were so fascinated by a place like Mississippi. It was sort of, it was, it was sort of like middle earth. It was, it was both more beautiful and more horrifying than they could imagine. And so the the stories that always got the most laughs in in my uh, brief attempts at stand up were always the stuff about my father, 
or the stuff about growing up out in the country. And so slowly over many years of me trying to write it in different ways, I realized this was just the story should be a memoir of just me telling the story like I did when I was doing stand-up, as opposed to, you know, fictionalizing it or changing all the names and all the cities and making it a novel. Um, I wanted to write very authentically about what the experience was like. And, you know, Mississippi is a visceral place. It is the birthplace of American music, and it is the birthplace of American literature, and it is the birthplace of American terrorism. Everything good and bad about America was born and flourishes in a beautiful, strange, wicked place like Mississippi. And so I didn't want to hide any of that. I didn't want to paint a sentimental portrait. I didn't want to make it funny, but I didn't want to do any sort of, uh, you know, Cracker Barrel, Kenny Chesney version of what the South is like. But yes, it is not the kind of book you would want to give uh, you would want to read to a sixth grade class. I don't let my kid. I haven't let my kids read it. Uh, I have three daughters, and um, I've told them they can read it once they learn how to uh, how to drive a stick. So it may be a few years before that happens. Fair enough. And so the the book really is. It's about your own father. It's about your um your life and and becoming a father yourself. Yeah. And and you know yeah. it's really resonating with folks. Just reading quick reviews online, people are really connecting and saying, "Oh, I was not the only." kid in a small southern town that felt or um experienced these sort of things sure yeah i you know it's funny you write it's what's one of the beautiful things about writing a book and having it so widely reviewed and covered and touring it across the country is all of the total weirdos that you meet uh and i mean that in a nice way Uh, the community of weirdos (laughs) yeah well you know it's fun i mean when you tell people you know when you reveal such intimate truths about your family and your background and how you feel, you know, you open yourself up to a lot of criticism. I mean, I've spoken to high school classes where all the boys were like, you know, were you really that much of a wimp when you were in school? And you know that I had to, you know, it was like a flashback to being 15 again. I'm sitting in this high school classroom being called a wimp by all these other high school dudes. Um, And of course I was able to address that and talk about how, um, you know, I asked him what he was afraid of, uh, and of course, you know, no 15 or 16 year old boy wants to admit being afraid of anything. Um, but what I'm trying to say is that writing the book, people have just have gotten letters and emails. I've even gotten phone calls. I technically, I think I've been stalked. <laughs> and most of those story, most of what people want to do are, are share their own stories. And you know, they all say like, I mean, I've had so many guys. Uh, write me letters and emails saying that, you know, they love the South and they love being from here and they love everything about it, but they don't fit sort of the standard stereotype. I mean, that's what, that's one of the things about the book I tried to do is to show that the stereotypes of the South are both true and false and that, you know, the reality behind those stereotypes is, is, and this is true of any community, it's just so much more fascinating. Um, you know, it's easy to say Mississippi is full of, you know, uh, crackers and racists or that Mississippi is full of beautiful southern bells um, when the reality of all those stereotypes is so much more interesting. And that's what I tried to show. And so I've gotten all these letters from people just saying how, you know, they hate hunting and they hate fishing, but they love the South or they hated playing football, but they love being from where they're from. 
Um, and so, yeah, and, that, you know, and honestly, I've gotten more emails and calls and letters and stuff from women. And a lot of people thought sort of this is a book for men. You know, you've got antlers on the front of the book and it's the world's largest man. And it's, you know, it's about fathers and fatherhood. And so uh, it sounds like it's marketed towards men, but in fact, I found it just because the book is really about relationships and it's humor. And it's about, it's as much about marriage, honestly. It's much about, it's as much about marriage and my wife and my daughters as it is about being a man and, and having a father and being a son and all that. So I've just been pleased by how many people, different types of people it's reached. I've gotten letters from Scotland and New Zealand and Canada. Apparently they read in Canada. It's amazing. I've gotten tons of letters from there. Um, I have not gotten any letters from uh, South America yet, but almost every other continent people have reached out to me, which is really cool. You've been listening to Harrison Scott Key. He's the author of The World's Largest Man. He'll be part of the memoir panel at the Mississippi Book Festival at 1.45 p.m. in the Foundry at Galloway. You can also catch Harrison Thursday, August 18th, right before the book festival begins at 5 p.m. at Lemuria. He'll be reading and signing books there, offering some images from his experiences. So make sure to put Harrison Scott Key on your map for the Mississippi Book Festival. Thanks so much for being with us today, Harrison. Thank you so much for having me, and I hope I can meet you and all the amazing people from MPD when I'm in Jackson next. Absolutely. Thank you. We look forward to it. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. And welcome back to Next Stop Mississippi on MPB Think Radio. I'm Sherita Brent with Sam Wells. And today we're talking about lots of things. The Sunflower River Blues and Gospel Festival is coming up this weekend, and we have several guests on the line to talk with us about that. As always, you can give us a call and let us know about any local events going on in your area. The number is 877-MPB-RING. Let us know what's going on around your part of Mississippi this weekend that you'd like to let other folks know about. 877-672-7464 is the number. Follow the conversation on Twitter. Search the hashtag NextStopMS. All right, so we're joined on the lines now by May Smith, Panny Mayfield, John Sherman, and Shelly Ritter. They're going to tell us. It's a party in here, Sharita. <laughs> it is a party, and that's exactly what it's going to be uh, this weekend in Clarksdale uh, as the Blues and Gospel Festival is kicking off its 29th year. Uh, good morning, everyone, and thanks so much for being with us. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. All right. I was expecting a little harmony just then since it was four of you guys. Uh, <laughs> so this is the 29th year of the festival. Tell us a little bit about how the festival has progressed over the years and, and what's expected this year. All right. Everybody doesn't have to answer at one time. <laughs> well, we're trying to be polite with each other, but um, the festival, you know, it's a free festival. And so we're all volunteers and the, the entire um Association raises money through the you know through the year to be able to do this, but um, uh, we've got members in all professions and jobs. We even have a member with the guard at Parchment. So uh, we have doctors, lawyers, and secretaries. And I'm gonna let somebody else finish this, John. Um, 
Uh, it's it's a totally free festival. It's been free from the beginning, and and it will be free in the future. Uh, it's our 29th year. It, it started on the on the banks of the Sunflower River uh, in Clarksdale, Mississippi, with uh, what acts were on, what acts performed the first year? Uh, the Jelly, Jelly Mayhem Field, yeah. Jelly Roll Kings, uh, Otis Rush. Um, yeah, we have an exhibit at the Delta Blues Museum that chronicles the 29 years of the Sunflower Festival, and we uh, showcase posters from the first festival in 1988 all the way to 2016. So tell us about some of the uh, the headliners this year. I see Lee Williams is going to be there, Vastai Jackson. I got a chance to see him perform just last night. Um, I mean, this is a free event, and you have all these big headliners coming out. So tell us about some of the musical acts this year. Um, Super Chicken. Super Chicken? Yeah, he's headlining uh, tonight. Okay. Uh, and we also have this lady that's uh, real popular in Europe, France, uh, Tony Green. Uh, this will be our first time having her, but she is awesome. So we'll show you the stage. And we also have uh, James Jimbo Masters, which I'm sure you're familiar with Jimbo Masters. He's, he's also on stage tonight, and, and he's great. And we just have, uh, and I think I say, uh, kicked out with uh, the Delta Blues Museum Band, so I think that's going to be great. And then the following band will be Heather Cross, which is known as the Heavy Sugar and the Sweet Tones. And then uh, Josh Razorblade Stewart. This is all what's going on Friday. So now is Kingfish so, performing? Yeah. Kingfish, the the, yeah, the young female. Okay, okay. Saturday. Saturday we have uh, three acoustic stages that. Um, uh, in different locations. Um, this is the first time we've done this. We have um, just a, all the great master musicians who've been playing a long time will be here, and we have Sade Turner and the Rising Star drumming five band will be here, and people like Kenny Brown, Lucius Spiller, Pat Thomas, Dave Donovan are just some of the uh, acts, and. Um, then Saturday night, we kick off with um, a full day uh, that winds up with, help me out, Lonnie Shields. Lonnie Shields. And he uh, played the first festival. He lives in Philadelphia now. And he's coming home. And then Bastard Jackson, whom you just mentioned, uh, played one of the earliest Sunflower festivals with mm-hmm. Katie Webster. So um, we're looking forward to having you come up and drum a little bit with us. Yeah, maybe one day I will. Uh, it was a pleasure seeing Vastai, and I'm I'm pretty sure he's going to be a crowd favorite. Uh, I've had the opportunity to play for him before, and it was uh, quite an experience, to say the least. Well, we really appreciate all of you guys being on today, and uh, we hope that the festival is a great success. Thank you so much for coming on, May, Panny, John, and Shelly. Thank you so much. Well, thank, thank you. you. All right, and so uh, we're going to stay in the spirit of music. And um, uh, well, first of all, Sam, have you ever been to the, uh, to the I have. festival? My oh. father, my father is from Clarksdale, uh, so oh, I've been up there. Been. I've been up there a couple of times, but it's been a long time. It was uh, like early '90s when I <laughs> when I was there, like Millie Vanilli, I think maybe, maybe <laughs> one of the uh, one of the acts or something like that. But it was a it was a while back. It's a great time though in Clarksdale. Everybody kind of just talks and focuses on you know the gr- ground zero and all that stuff. But uh, man, that that town is just a uh, it's got everything that you could that you could really want as far as uh, 
a a for a festival town anyway like this i mean it's it's awesome it, it's just a it's a it's a delta treasure for sure that people really need to get get by and check out and not just from morgan freeman's uh ground zero <laughs> Or, or just uh, hoping that he'll make a, a pop-up appearance yeah. or something. I think it's wonderful that the festival is free uh, for people. To me, that, that says a lot about their commitment to just providing good music. So I, I appreciate the fact that it's free, and I'm sure the people that attend do as well. Oh, yeah. Um, so now we're going to stay in the spirit of music. Larry Kendall is on the line with us to talk about the Dulcimer Festival happening at J.P. Coleman State Park. Larry, good morning. Thank you so much for being on. Good morning. Where is J.P. Coleman State Park, for those who don't know? It's just a few miles north of uh, Iuka, Mississippi, on Highway... Well, it's not on Highway 25. you got to turn off to go towards it, but it's just a few miles north of Iuka. Okay. And, Larry, it's a great... It's got a lot of water uh, water sports and water enthusiasts, uh, fishing, skiing, things like that. you got a lot of stuff to do up there at that park. Yeah, and, and uh, got camping and, and um the Tennessee, it's right on the Tennessee River, so you can see beautiful water out there. Bar, barges going up and down the road, so up down the road, up and down the water. <laughs> anyway, it's a beautiful place, and it's it's indoors, so don't don't matter about the weather. So, how long uh, has the Dulcimer Festival been taking place at the park? It's. I'm not sure. It's been over ten years. I know that. Okay. So tell us what a dulcimer is. I understand it's like a string instrument. What is it exactly? Yeah, it, it's it's a, a a mountain dulcimer, and it, you play it on your lap, and it has three or four strings usually, and uh, you play. And then there's also the hammer dulcimer, and oh. so we usually have some hammer dulcimers there too, but it's mostly dulcimers, and then guitars and fiddles and. Mandolins, just all kinds of all kinds of other instruments too, as long as they're non-acoustic. So, is it uncommon for people to play the dulcimer? Do you have to have a special kind of of a skill set, or if you play the guitar, could you kind of just transfer those skills? Oh yeah, if you could play an instrument, you wouldn't have no problem. Uh, just like my wife, she plays the piano, and she didn't have any problem at all learning the dulcimer. So it's 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 fairly easy to learn. Of course, I'm not that bright, so I never have been able to do it. <laughs> Uh, so I take care of you, I take care of the MC and and the, and the sound system. So okay, well, as the MC, what are some things that happen uh, at the Dulcimer Festival? What are what are you trying to? Uh, uh, how are you trying to shift the the mood and you know make people get into the festival? Okay, um, there's campers that start coming in Sunday mo- this Sunday morning, so they'll be there a whole week. And uh, Thursday night, this will be the 18th, uh, we'll have an ice cream social at 6.30. So we'll be homemade ice cream. And then Friday, the 19th, will be a potluck supper at 6.30. And then after the social and the potluck, everybody gets in a circle and, and jams. And then Saturday, there'll be a couple classes at 9.30. And then at 1 o'clock Saturday, there'll be open stage. You can sign up for open stage, get up and play two tunes, and uh it has to be a dulcimer, though, you know. So uh, do dulcimer players typically play in a group or individually? Well, some of them play individually, but most of them play in, play in a group. We got people from, uh, uh, of course, Mississippi, Tennessee, Alabama, Florida, Louisiana. So it'll be, you know, quite a few diverse people there. That sounds good. So in addition to the music playing, uh, what are some, uh, some of the other things that are going to be going on around the uh, dulcimer playing? Well, there's there's waters. All I can tell you, it, you know, <laughs> it, it's it's camping, 
people, most of the people can't, are campers, and they pretty well fill up the park. And uh, and they got a motel there at the park too that you can rent a room. So that's what we've done. We got a room rented for there. Sounds good. Well, what time does everything get started, and uh, what do people need to bring to the festival? Bring yourself. That's it. <laughs> yes. If you got an instrument, bring it. <laughs> okay. Do you have some harmonica players? Because you said it's a jam oh, session. Oh yeah, yeah. So... We we have a harmonica players. Sure do. Uh huh. Well, what about percussion instruments? Uh... Well, they have some, um, not drums like you would think of, but there's uh, what's called a bodron. I think it's what it's called. Uh huh. It's a it's kind of a primitive drum, and then you know, but. Uh, that, that'd be all about all in percussion. All right. Sounds good. Well, I, I would love to see that. I mean, you've, you've set the scene for me. It sounds like it's going to be really fun. Uh, remind us once again of the date and the time of the festival. It's the 18th and the 19th and the 20th of this month. And it's, everything kicks off officially on Ice Cream Social 630 at Thursday night. Well, they'll be jamming around there. Uh, all during the week, from Sunday on, there'll be or Monday, there'll be jamming going on. First one place, another, maybe at the campground, or or maybe up there at the conference room. Just depends. All right. Well, Larry, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate yes, it. All right. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Larry. Sam, you look like you correct. could play a dulcimer. I don't know about that, Shreda. <laughs> I judged a, a a long time ago. I judged a fiddle playing competition, so oh, I, I would imagine the dulcimer festival is going to be a lot like that. But uh, but that sounds great. And I was reading a lot about this park too. Uh, he's right; it is right on the Tennessee River. And uh, boy, man, if you if you like water skiing or, uh, or or water sports or fishing or something like that, I mean, uh, this park is it's somewhere that you need to get to if you're in the state of Mississippi or anywhere around at the J.P. Coleman State Park. I, I, I will tell you, I was a little ignorant about it. I didn't really know uh, the, of its existence until uh, oh. I started reading about this. So I'm glad. We have so many wonderful we... state parks. Oh, I mean, man. you know, it's easy to, to overlook them, uh, but that's what we're here for. So we're going to take our final break. When we get back, we'll talk uh, about an evening with Cody Dickinson. That's something that you might be interested in. And you can give us a call. Let us know about any local events going on in your area this weekend if you'd like to. 877-672-7464 is the number to join the conversation this morning. Also, Cody's pretty famous. I don't know if people know uh, know him right off the bat by the yeah. name, but people are going to know exactly who he is when, uh, when we get back. Absolutely, once we get into it. This is Next Stop Mississippi on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. And welcome back to Next Stop Mississippi. I'm Sherita Brent here with Sam Wells. Mary Margaret Miller of Visit Mississippi is away today. We've been talking about a lot of things, uh, mainly some music events going on, the Sunflower River Blues and Gospel Festival, the Dulcimer Festival, learned a little bit about Harrison Scott Key, whose book, The World's Largest Man, is going to be featured at next week's Mississippi Book Festival. I asked Mary Margaret uh, when she was here to, to speak to Harrison. Uh, I wonder how many people ask him about like the Star Spangled Banner. Oh, when, uh, <laughs> well, yeah. 
with his name being Harrison Scott Key. So right, right. Uh, just like um, last week, I feel like we we had a lady on named Cassandra Wilson. And, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> that was pretty funny as well. Uh, but we're joined on the lines now by Jane Marie of Grammy Museum, Mississippi, who's going to tell us about an evening with Cody Dickinson. Good morning, Jane. Thank you so much for being on with us today. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Well, um, so Cody Dickinson, uh, many people may not know him individually, but he is a part of the Grammy-nominated North Mississippi All-Stars. So tell us a little bit about Cody and uh, why this evening is so special. Yes, yeah, so he is um, a founding member of North Mississippi All-Stars with his brother, Luther Dickinson. Um, they are from North Mississippi, from the Hernando, Mississippi area. And uh, Cody just released his debut solo album, Leeway for the Freeway. He is also um, a producer that's worked on many other projects um, in his solo career. And he is, you know, announcing the CD release. It just came out. And so we wanted to honor him with an evening with him um, and a special look at his music and his solo work. He will um, be discussing the album, discussing some of his work and performing as well. And Shannon McNally, also a Grammy-nominated artist from North Mississippi, will be uh, moderating this program and uh, conducting an interview with Cody. That's pretty awesome to have an artist there present to talk with you about the album. Talk about that accessibility to an artist and him being able to discuss an album with people present. Right. Um, That's the kind of, you know, the kind of programs that the Grammy Museum offers. We aren't just um, a performance venue. It's a much more intimate experience um you're really getting to have a conversation with these artists and see what the music business and the industry is like and shannon will be asking questions um about the artistry and about what went into the songwriting for the album and producing it and putting everything together um but it'll also you know we'll be just talking about his career in general um talking about his influences i know that he wrote this album with his mother uh, Mary Lindsay, so he'll be, you know, speaking to some of that and their songwriting process. Mm. So um, it's going to be a really interesting, in-depth look at how an artist creates an album. And uh, uh, talk about the Grammy Museum. I mean, I know you guys opened in March. Uh, how has it been received up there in Cleveland? And uh, I would, just, I, I'm guessing it with everything that I've read, extremely well, and uh, that we need uh, Sharita and I both need to get up there immediately to uh, to check out yeah. this place. Yeah, yeah. So um, like I said, this is just you know one program like of what we have shown and will continue to show the evening with Cody Dickinson is on this Saturday at 7 p.m. Um, it's the tickets are only $10 for members, $15 for non-members, and that is meant so that it will be accessible. Everything that we do is, you know, very accessible to offer you a unique experience. Since we opened, everyone has really been on board with what we're doing. Um, it's a new thing around this area, what we're doing, the types of programs we're doing. But um, we've had great support in Cleveland. We've had, I'm also the education manager, so I'm education and public programs. And we've had over 3,000 students already through this museum since March 5th. Yes, and we've had visitors from um, many different countries, from almost every state in the U.S. So, you know, we just want to keep spreading the word about our programs and um, get people to Cleveland because you can spend however long you want in the area. You could spend a day, you could spend a week. And like you mentioned, the Sunflower River Gospel and Blues Fest this weekend, I mean, people up there could come down here for the night for that program or to tour the Sunday after, you know, you can make a whole weekend experience out of this. And we're just glad to be in this area and have the support of people traveling through and from the locals as well. 
Yeah, I'm pretty envious of folks who've already been to the museum because I see the the pictures. It looks so technologically advanced and interactive. I mean, adults and children alike, every time every time I see a post about it, uh, people just seem to be extremely impressed. So that's right. Me and Sam, we, we do have to get down there. And Mayor Margaret, we're just going to take a, a grown-up field trip and just head, <laughs> head down. Wrap our cokes in foil and head up there. <laughs> right. It's definitely a lot of fun for kids and adults. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, Jane, uh, remind us one more time about the evening with Cody Dickinson and how folks can find more information about it. Sure. So it is this Saturday night at 7 p.m. at Grammy Museum, Mississippi. It is in the R. Sanders soundstage. There are only 130 seats in that soundstage, so it is a very intimate experience. Um, we still have tickets available. You can go online at www.grammymuseumms.org. Don't forget the MS at the end or else it will send you to the Los Angeles website. <laughs> okay. um, but there you can purchase tickets. And like I said, they're $10 for museum members, $15 for non-members. Or you can call our box office at 662-441-0100. All right, Jane, thank you so much for joining us this morning. We appreciate it. Sam, thank you so much for running the board and oh, helping yeah. produce the show. Jonas Adams was our call screener. Stay tuned, folks. Southern Remedy for Women is coming up next right here on MPB Think Radio.